Good evening and welcome again. We appreciate Ben reading our scripture tonight. And we're going to be looking, as was read just a moment ago, Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 and 23. I would invite you to be turning in your Bible if you haven't turned there already. We appreciate so much your presence tonight, the opportunity to be together. We're always grateful for the opportunity to be together. We appreciate those who may be visiting. As always, we encourage you to come back to be with us at every opportunity that you might have. As always, we invite those who are looking for a church home to consider the work here. We'd love to have you come and be a part of the body of Christ here in the Olive Branch area. In our study tonight, we're going to be talking about finding a place of solitude. In Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 and 23, we have an account of Jesus finding a place of solitude. And there were some reasons why he sought out a place of solitude. And I would imagine that all of us from time to time would love to just get away from the hustle and bustle of life. There is always the need to remove ourselves from everyday life, all of the things that are going on, the distractions, and find a quiet place and reflect and turn attention to not only things going on in our life, but maybe the lives of those around us, to reflect upon our relationship to God and the great blessings that have been bestowed upon us. I would imagine that at some point in time in your life, you have thought about just escaping, getting away, maybe for an hour, two hours, maybe for a day, a week, whatever. Let's talk for a minute or two about finding a place of solitude. I want you to look again at our lesson text. A couple of things here I want to share with you. First, the place of solitude. And then secondly, the purpose of solitude. The text tells us in verse 22 that immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. The Bible says in verse 23, when he had sent the multitude away, he went up on a mountain by himself. Now let me just pause there for a minute. Jesus was a people person. When you look at the life of Jesus and particularly the three, three and a half year span of his earthly ministry, he was constantly surrounded by people. When I look at the life of Jesus, I see somebody who attracted people. People wanted to be around him. They wanted to be in his presence. Many people were there to see the great miracles that he performed. Others wanted to hear what he had to say. As John said in John chapter 7, verse 46, about Jesus, no man ever spoke like this man. There was something unique, something different about Jesus. Not only did Jesus find himself in the middle of great crowds oftentimes, but then there were those one-on-one -on -one occasions when he spent time with people. And the, he, he had the opportunity to affect change in their lives. In this context, we think about the privacy of Jesus. The fact that 
Back in verse 1 of chapter 14, the text tells us that Herod had heard the report about Jesus. And he had said to his disciples, This is John the Baptist, and he is risen from the dead. John the Baptist had rebuked Herod for his wife. He had married Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. And John the Baptist had said to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. So you can read about the murder, the eventual murder of John the Baptist. In verses 13 and following, we have an account of Jesus performing one of his great miracles, feeding the multitudes. He fed 5,000 people on this occasion. And the Bible says that those who ate were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. He had taken five barley loaves and two small fish and fed a multitude of people. And the text tells us those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So it's in this setting that Jesus seeks an hour of privacy, a time of privacy, as we would say. Again, looking at what Matthew records, he had made his disciples to get into the boat, to go before him to the other side, and then he sends the multitudes away. The Bible says he goes up into the mountain, and there he prays. Let's just talk for a minute or two about not just the privacy of Jesus, but the prayer of Jesus. I do not know what Jesus prayed about on this occasion, but I know that prayer was very important to the life of Jesus. And there were occasions in his life when he would remove himself from the hustle and bustle of life, from the things that were going, going on around him, and seek a quiet place to pray to the Father. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, the Bible talks about Jesus rising early before daylight and going out into a solitary place and there praying. In Luke chapter 5, Luke tells us that on one occasion Jesus withdrew from the people around him. He withdrew for the purpose of praying to the Father before he selected the apostles as recorded by Luke in chapter 6. The Bible tells us that Jesus went up into a mountain and there spent the night in prayer to God. There are times in life when a quiet place is needed for personal prayer. I would encourage all of us to find that place where we can remove ourselves from the hustle, the bustle of life. A time when we're not bothered by cell phones and computers and television sets and radios, etc. Find a quiet place and pour your, out, pour your heart out to God. Jesus oftentimes prayed to God the Father. I think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, wrestling with the impending death that was before him. On that occasion, he prayed to the Father three times, If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. 
So first there is this place of solitude, but then the purpose of solitude. Our lesson tonight, finding a place of solitude. And there are reasons why I believe we, like Jesus, need to find a place of solitude. We need to find a quiet place to remove ourselves again from the distractions of life for a number of reasons. Let me begin by saying, first of all, we need a place of solitude to recharge. You might ask the question, why would we need to somehow recharge our battery, so to speak? Well, I think one of the reasons is because of the burdens of life. You think about the weight that we carry upon our shoulders each and every day. Job said in chapter 14, verse 1, In the long ago, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. There are burdens that are common to all people, some exclusive to you, in the sense that you're bearing burdens that others around you aren't. And so we can find that place of solitude. And in that place of solitude, recharge. Think about some of the difficulties that you face in life. I can't help but think about some of the difficulties that the Apostle Paul faced in his life. Paul, in writing to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, said, We were burdened beyond despair, above strength. They were despaired, despairing over their own lives. He said, We had the sentence of death in ourselves. And then I'm reminded of his words to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, when he said, Alexander the coppersmith hath done me much evil. There are times in life when people can make your life miserable and they can impose great difficulties upon you. And then what about the dis disappointments in life? You ever get disappointed? Is it the case that sometimes... In life, people close to us will let us down. Do you remember in 2 Timothy chapter 4 when Paul talked about Demas, who at one time had been a fellow soldier, a faithful comrade, a servant in the army of Christ. And yet when Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. And so I think about the difficulties, the disappointments, and then even the dis discouragements that we face in this life. And sometimes there is the need for us to simply recharge, to find our second wind. In Hebrews chapter 12, the writer talked about how it's easy for us to become weary and discouraged in our souls. And the tendency on the part of some is to give up, to walk away. Remember in John chapter 6 when Jesus taught the people on that occasion, that he was the bread of life. And John said many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. And Jesus asked the question, will you also go away? Do you think it was dis discouraging to Jesus? That there were multitudes of people that literally walked away from him? Discouragement is a common theme in the lives of a lot of folks. So first... We think about the importance of trying to recharge. But then there is the necessity of regrouping. 
I think about finding a place of solitude to regroup, to re-examine where we are in life, maybe where we've been, where we are, where we want to be. Think for a minute about the life of Jesus. Jesus came to earth with a heaven-sent mission, didn't he? Jesus would say, I came to seek and to save the lost. Priority number one, the salvation of the human family. The souls of the human family rested on the shoulders of Jesus Christ. Is it not the case that Jesus could have retreated to solitary places from time to time to re-examine his priorities, to make sure that his priorities were still in check? You listen to him in John chapter 4 when he said, My work is to do the will of him who sent me. John 6, I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. In John chapter 17, Jesus again in the shadow of the cross said, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work you've given me to do. Isn't it the case that sometimes we need to re-examine our priorities? Don't you think it's possible for us sometimes as Christians living among a mass of humanity and we talk about all the things that are going on in life, our jobs, rearing children, grandchildren, the stresses and the strains of life, and sometimes spiritual things tend to get pushed to the, to the side, don't they? And so to simply step back, take a deep breath, in that quiet place and ask ourselves are my priorities where they ought to be? Am I, as Jesus said, seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness? You think about the importance of sometimes stepping back and asking are my priorities where they ought to be? And then what about our purpose? You ever wonder what's your purpose in life? Don't you know that there are a lot of people in our world today, they misunderstand the purpose of life. They're on this quest. And they want to know what, what is life all about. And sometimes as Christians, we talk about all the blessings and favors that we enjoy. And the fact that we are children of God and we understand our priorities. Sometimes we, we question, we grapple with our purpose. What are we doing here? What, can, what impact can we make? in life, in this community, in our family, among our friends. What about our purpose? Jesus understood his priorities. He understood his purpose. And he stated it over and over again. And even though he wrestled with the weight of the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus maintained his focus. He kept his eyes on the priority of fulfilling the will of the Father. He kept his eyes on the purpose of dying for the human family so that we might be redeemed. There's a third thing I would call attention to. That is the fact that there is the need to find a place of solitude to reflect. Sometimes we need to just step, step away from life. And in stepping away from life, reflect on the power and provisions of Almighty God. Think about all the blessings that you enjoy as a child of God. 
And there are times in life when we get so caught up in what's going on, we forget about the great power of God and the tremendous provisions that He's given us. For example, what about His daily care? The psalmist many, many years ago said, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits or blessings. Paul would write in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, Continue steadfastly in prayer, watching therein with thanksgiving. James said, Every good gift, every perfect gift, cometh down from above. God has blessed us immeasurably. And we think about the care that He gives to each of us on a daily basis. You remember in Matthew chapter 6, Sermon on the Mount? In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus deals with the problem of worry or anxiety. He asked the question, why do you worry? Why are you anxious? And he says that some of the things that people worry about are food, fashion, and the future. And Jesus then calls to mind the birds of the air. He said, they sow not, neither do they gather in barns, Yet he said, your heavenly Father feeds them. And then he asked this question, are you not of more value than they? And the answer is yes. If he, if God, if he is able and willing to feed the birds of the air, don't you think he'll take care of us? The answer is yes. Don't sometimes we need to just step back and again reflect on the constancy of his care. What about his concern for us? Is the Lord concerned about your plight here on planet earth? There are some that have the mistaken notion that God created the world and then just step back and thus allows it to operate on its own. That's false. God is intimately involved in the affairs of the human family. Peter would say, casting all your care on him. Why? For he cares for you, as we said just a moment ago. But in light of his concern for us, Matthew chapter 10, Jesus said, A sparrow cannot fall to the ground without our Heavenly Father knowing it. And then he asked this question, Are you not of more value than they? Well, the answer is yes. So, in light of that, does God care? Yes, he does. Is he concerned about my plight? Yes, he, yes, he is. Sometimes we feel insignificant. In a world that is approaching, what, 7 billion people? And you think about all of these people that are living here on planet Earth. And the question sometimes arises, how could a God in heaven understand my plight in North Mississippi? But the answer is, He does. God knows you inside and out. And so I think about His care, His concern, and what about His comfort? Aren't you grateful to have the opportunity from time to time to just reflect on the comfort that God gives on a daily basis? In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul describes God as the Father of all mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us, he said, in all our tribulation. Are there not times in your life when you have been beaten as we would say 
by life itself. And the burdens have been so great that the only one to whom you could turn was Almighty God. And God has been there to pick you up and to help shoulder the problems, the difficulties, the tribulations that you have faced. You see, a place of solitude is a wonderful concept because it affords us the opportunity to reflect on things that ought to be very special to us. His care, His concern, His comfort. I would encourage you to go back and read the Psalms, particularly the Psalms of David. There were a number of occasions in the life of David in which he faced great, great obstacles. His adversaries were many, his adversities great, and yet time and again he learned to put his trust in God, didn't he? He looked to God for comfort. David would say in Psalm 55, Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. Don't you think David knew firsthand about the comforting hand of God? And then what about his cleansing? The Hebrew writer talks about in chapter 12, those besetting sins. Are we children of God? Yes. Do we enjoy the blessings and the benefits of the grace of God, the mercy of God, the blood of Christ? Yes, we do. But there are occasions in life when we struggle because we are fallible humanity. We are fallible beings, aren't we? And there are times when we struggle with temptation. Sometimes we succumb to temptation. And yet we can reflect upon the cleansing power of the blood of Christ to know that as long as we're walking in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the promise is the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, is constantly cleansing us from all sin. There are times in life when we question the cleansing power of God. And you might ask the question, well, how do you know that? Because there are times in the lives of God's people, people that have been baptized into Christ, who are members of the body of Christ, and they question over and over and over again, has God really cleansed me? How many times in your life have you committed sin, asked God to forgive you of that sin, and then ask Him again the next day, the next week, or the next month to forgive you of the same sin? Look, when we commit sin, when we succumb to temptation, we acknowledge that. When we repent of it, ask God to forgive us. The assurance is He forgives. He cleanses. We don't have to keep bearing that thing on our shoulders. Listen to the Hebrew writer. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And he said, their sins and their iniquities I will remember no more. There's another reason why I believe that we need to find a place of solitude. In the handout... You'll notice that I have regroup listed twice. That was an error on my part. Shouldn't be regroup again. But we need a place of solitude to re-equip. 
In other words, there are times in life when we need to retreat to to find that place of solitude, that solitary place, and re-equip ourselves for what, you might ask, for future battles. Look, just because we won the battle today doesn't mean another battle is not on the horizon for tomorrow, does it? Just because we had trials and adversities yesterday or today doesn't mean that there are not more coming. Well, why is that? Because we live in a world that is filled with trial, filled with temptation. So what's the counsel to us? Well, sometimes we need to, as we say from time to time, reload. Think about, think about hunters. They're out in the field. And they're hunting deer. And they unload their gun. What do they have to do? They've got to reload, don't they? By the same token, we talk about living the Christian life. And all of the adversities and all the trials and all the temptations that we face in life can take their toil. They take their toll. And so ultimately what we have to do is step back and re-equip, reload, reload for tomorrow. Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 6, Be strong in the Lord, in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Paul's saying you need to equip yourself. Sometimes we need to re-equip ourselves. We've got to be ready. In James chapter 1, James talks about the various trials that we face in this life. Those outward trials are common to all people. He said, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Trials that take the form of sickness, illness, disease, disability, financial reversal, the loss of a loved one, the loss of a friend. Any number of things. We face those things on a daily basis, don't we? And so in light of those trials, sometimes we need to step back and ask God, to be with us, to help us face the trials that come our way. And then temptation. James would talk about temptation down in verse 13. He said, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither does he tempt any man. The adversary, however, he's the tempter, isn't he? In Luke chapter 4, when Jesus successfully defended himself against the temptations of the devil, the Bible says the devil left him until an opportune time. He won the battle, didn't he? What Luke was saying in the long ago was this, the devil was coming back. And so as children of God, we've got to understand, look, we may win the battle today. We've got to re-equip. Reload for tomorrow. So how do we do that? We do it by finding a solitary place. And just as Jesus did nearly 2,000 years ago, we pray to God. We have access to His throne 24-7. There are no limitations on the number of times we can approach the throne of God in prayer. So we can stay on our knees praying to God. We can stay in His Word. Understanding that strength comes from this book. 
There is a correlation in the strength of our faith or the lack thereof in this book. The more time you spend in this book, the greater your faith. The less time, the weaker your faith. So, re-equip, reload. And think about this. Every single Sunday, we have the opportunity to come together to reload, to re-equip, to recharge our spiritual battery so that when we go back out into the world, we can be successful. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, we're grateful for the opportunity that we have to reflect upon the life of your Son. And we're grateful for his great example and we acknowledge the fact that in life sometimes we lose our way. We become weighted down with the trials and tribulations and temptations of life. And sometimes we falter under those things. Help us, Father, to seek out a solitary place to commune with you and to reflect upon all of the great blessings that we have in Christ. We would ask that you would bless each of us, help us to live in such a way so that we might be a light in a darkened world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to come to Christ, believing that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus said many years ago, except you believe that I am He, He said, you'll die in your sins. And He said, if you die in your sins where I am, there you cannot come. And so, to simply understand that Jesus is the Son of God, and then to repent, to turn from a life of sin, as Jesus said in Luke 13, 3, the Bible then says we are to confess with our mouth what we believe in our heart, that He is the Son of God, just as the eunuch did, Acts chapter 8, verse 37 to be immersed in a watery grave of baptism so that all of our sins can be forgiven, Acts 2.38, so that all those sins can be washed away, Acts 22.16, and then to be a faithful child of God until death, Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. If you're here tonight and maybe your life is not what it ought to be, maybe you're struggling, maybe you, like the prodigal, lost your way and you want to come home, we're here to pray with you and for you. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Won't you come as we stand and sing?